everybody. I am your host, River Wells, and uh, this is Mission Spino, or, or Spinow, or uh, however they pronounce it. Um, it's, you know, it's a meme. It doesn't matter. And uh, I am joined here by my co-hosts, Sam Camposano and Ryan Haley. Uh, hello, everybody. How's it going on this wonderful Tuesday night? Hello, River. Howdy, River. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coming to live from quarantine. Oh, is that so? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the best time to do a podcast, I feel. It is absolutely the best time to do a podcast. There's nothing better to talk about, you know, and I feel like well, uh, Tuesday night is when the podcasts are most lit, in my eyes. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I mean, I've got that Pfizer coursing through my veins right now. So oh, yeah, that's true, that. too. I got to get that young vaccine. Pretty sure that's all <laughs> Sam just alpha the hell out of me with that. <laughs> you know, just starting off strong here. Um, you know, uh, I am River Wells. This is Sam Kipson and Ryan Haley. We are not experts by any means, uh, but we're still going to talk about F1. Speak and hopefully you'll still listen to it. Yeah, I could speak for myself. I don't know. Um, but uh, in this podcast, we're going to talk about some serious things like, you know, in this case today, Bahrain testing, but more importantly, Grands Prix and driver rankings and all that. and Non-serious things like livery rankings and uh, other silly aspects of the sport. So um, we're going to start off today with uh, Bahrain testing, which happened this past weekend uh, from when we were recording this podcast. And testing happens uh, before the first Grand Prix every year for F1. And it's usually a little bit of an insight into how some teams are doing maybe, but also an opportunity for teams to you know, test out the new cars they've built and uh, gather data on the cars. It usually takes place at Barcelona, but this year it was at Bahrain. So um, before we get into what happened at testing, because there's definitely a lot of narratives we can discuss with that, uh, my question to you all is how much stock should we even put into testing? How much does it matter? And uh, why don't I start with you, Sam? Yeah, uh, remember on Friday afternoon, there was the uh, giant sandstorm that sort of delayed the testing. Yeah, yeah I think that might have originated from the Mercedes garage. I mean, <laughs> are you kidding me? The sandbags? Are you kidding me? <laughs> the sandbags, man. Oh, my God, dude. The U.S. military would be jealous of all the sandbagging going on out there, okay? I mean, give Lewis Hamilton an Oscar. He's doing his best uh, Sebastian Spinella impression. <laughs> I mean... It was a clown. So this is this is worse than it's ever been for Mercedes. I mean, we've seen some some serious sandbagging over the years, but uh, this took it to a whole new level. So a little bit. Um, I don't necessarily think problems in testing are always sandbagging. I think it's just Merck doesn't care. Like I don't think they're like purposely trying to make themselves look bad or like trying to make the car look worse than it is to like lull other teams into a false sense of security. I think it just like couldn't care less about Bahrain. Yeah, I agree with that too. I just think that they're uh it, it's like they're just out there having fun. But it, it's know? like it's like when Tiger Woods is at the height of his like golfing days and he'd like go play a pro am Wednesday before a tournament. Like he might shoot sixty five, but he might shoot seventy four. He does not care. Like and it's not gonna make him less of a golfer by the time the, like when the open key shot gets hit on Thursday. And it's the same way Merck is. Like Merck's still going to be the best team on the grid when Bahrain starts. It's just they couldn't care or when, um, they couldn't care about testing at all. Just, just a few minutes into the podcast, we've already got our first other sports reference. So I think, Ryan, oh, yeah. should, should we give you an award for that one? Uh, I would take any award. 
would you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll probably uh, break that record multiple times over the course of the podcast, but uh, that's a good yeah. point. And I'd like to bring up, you know, 2019 was an interesting year because we saw Ferrari, I think, uh, kind of really shine at preseason testing there in Barcelona. And, you know, we saw Mercedes struggle a bit there too. And then they basically came into the 2019 season with a completely new car. Uh, and, you know, obviously they ended up winning the constructor championship as they want to do uh, in this new V6 hybrid era. So I think um, obviously, even if they are having some problems with the back end, and it really did look like they were, um, whether you think it's sandbagging or not, I think Merck's going to find this problem and fix it before Bahrain starts uh, in two weeks. And, you know, I don't know if that's just because of how well routine that they are, or, you know, how well they can run the program. But I personally think that be it sandbagging be it anything else um while it may be concerned now uh for toto wolf and the gang it it might not be concerns going into the first race at bahrain yeah and we're seven years into mercedes being flawless at this point Absolutely. so uh until i see them you know legitimately have a problem in an actual grand prix uh you know i'm not gonna believe any of this uh hype about mercedes not being as good and if you're not going to believe any of that hype which is understandable obviously it being mercedes uh the question goes um you know do you believe in red bull uh having a really good weekend actually uh who they did they, they've clocked in the most total laps at 369 they had the fastest time with max verstappen and uh both uh, you know, Red Bull went off the target with the Honda engines looked pretty good. I mean, you had Yuki Tsunoda at the second fastest time, but that might have been helped out by a bit of uh, DRS magic on his end. But, uh, you know, is this going to be it? Is, is Red Bull going to be a contender this year? Or uh, is it just same old song and dance for Red Bull Mercedes at this point? I just want to point out that might be the farthest we get into a podcast this year before River mentions Yuki Sonoda. Like, that might be the longest we know before River. Yeah, a bit of a I, I, am, I am a Yuki Sonoda fan. Uh, let the pod know. Uh, I believe Pan is an understatement. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I, I believe in Yuki. But um, I did admit, you know, the, the DRS stuff, you know, could put some questions in on that lap time that he ran, especially because it seemed like they were testing DRS all across the track, which obviously you're not quite allowed to do. Uh, across the entire circuit come Grand Prix day. But uh, that being said, is Red Bull with, you know, the addition of Checo Perez in the offseason and with a driver like Max Verstappen and and their engine they have this year, could they actually contend with Mercedes this year? Or, you know, like I mentioned, is it just going to be the same story yet again here in the last year of the V6, or last year of these current regulations, I should say? I think Red Bull would need Merck to backslide a little bit. I, I just I, I don't think F1's going to be a competition until Mercedes isn't as good as they are currently. I and mean, that would be with the regs, possibly, you know. Yeah, with the regs, possibly next year. But, like, I mean, has F1 ever seen – I mean, other than, like, I guess the glory days of Ferrari, like, has anyone ever – I guess F1 ever seen as dominant a stretch as Merck has? Like, since I think for years. sure, yeah. But, um, obviously, but like, I'd say – with these cars that Merck's running with the W11, especially that we saw last year, I mean, Sam, if you can back me up here, how good was the W11 in comparison to other F cars in history? How good? I mean, if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot, they would have won every race. That's how good it was. I mean, they didn't, they took pole in all, I think, except one or two races. Um, I, I mean, the car was just invincible. 
it was just their own mistakes, really, that cost them. And I'm talking about, about the Sakir Grand Prix. Oh, yeah, of course, with uh, obviously with George Russell. And, of the, course, Italy, uh, too. So. Like point out that like I mean I know Williams is a terrible terrible car but like George has like never earned points before and he sits in Merck for one race and he's like leading by seven seconds before something goes. Wrong. Like, I, yeah, Merck's car is just outstanding. The W11, yeah. which is an unstoppable force, you know, and I think you know to even back up your point, Ryan. I mean V6 era, V10 era, whatnot. I mean the W11, I think, has got to be up there as one of you know the most outstanding cars in sport. And I would like to see the data on the average gap in qualifying between Mercedes and its rivals and compare that to famous cars from the past, like the Ferrari F2004 or the McLaren MP4-4, something like that, to see just how fast it is in comparison. I mean, this might be recency bias, but I'm also like, if a car in 2020 with the amount of technology that's available to everybody and how like widespread like kind of engine engineering has become compare that to like if like the w11 is as dominant as a car from like the 60s or whatever i'm gonna take the w11 more seriously because it's i think it's harder to be this dominant today because it's like everyone kind of has access to more information and everyone has years upon years of trial and error and it's easier to like optimize and test these engines that like if you are still this much better than everybody else with how much technology is out there that's insane i mean yeah you know more advanced wind tunnels more advanced computer programs uh you know for sure i can kind of see where you're coming from in that angle um and And the amazing thing too is it's such a like ryan was saying it's such a level playing field today not only in terms of the technology that they have but also in terms of the testing and what they can do, I mean, they can hardly even use the wind tunnel. I mean, because they finish first in the championship, they can use the wind tunnel less than teams that finish behind them. Absolutely. So, so like, remarkable. I mean, F1 has created technology, like F1 created technology and legislation in the past. Like, this was since it had, it's kept like trying to create technology and legislation to stop a team or a manufacturer like Mercedes from doing what they're doing. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if I, you know, they've come in and, and banned certain things on certain cars when it comes to, you know, if, if you've got a really high advantage, uh, there's a good chance the FIA will come in and ban it. Um, and obviously in this era where you've got so many changes and you've got regulations going on, I think having Mercedes come into the sport, you know, after uh, Braun GP and all that, and to come in and basically take so much control of the world constructors championship and, and you know win seven back to back to back to back i think it's incredibly impressive which kind of leads into our next point and now with a team of this caliber like mercedes um i think i kind of agree in the sense that you know should we really be saying oh look out they're doing bad in testing when they've just had this history so far in the v6 hybrid era of being unstoppable really Merck would have to put multiple bad, like not bad testing years, bad years together in a row before I start saying they're not the favorites in the manufacturer's cup. Like if they finish like outside the top three, like for the, like this year and next year, I might go into 2023 saying they're not the favorites. That's a, that's a, that's an understandable thing with how dominant they've been, you know, fool me one shame on you sort of situation. But um, with that going on, I like to talk about another team. 
that's uh, you know one of the big F one teams, obviously, but team that didn't do very well last year uh, that has expectations this year. Going. That's Ferrari, absolutely. Uh, um, Ferrari, obviously, um, I think would be understandable. We'll say they probably have the biggest budget in F one, right? And um, yes, absolutely. And they're a team that with their engine last year. Um, didn't perform very well. You know, I believe they finished sixth in the constructors championship. Um, and you know, with a great driver like Charles Leclerc, and obviously I know how we all know how Sam, uh, feels about Sebastian Vettel, but, uh, with a guy like him on that team as well to have that place, uh, that's not a good look for a team with the pedigree and esteemed history as Ferrari. So the question is, of course, um, at testing, you know, we saw on day one of Bahrain testing, Charles Leclerc had an issue with his car, had to retire. That was a red flag. Um, and they have a new driver this year and Carlos Sainz, who is my favorite F1 driver on the grid. Uh, so I will probably be pumping him up a little bit more as the podcast continues. Um, and that being said, is Ferrari on the come up this year after their engine power mishaps in 2020? And if so, uh, why should we believe in the prancing horse after what happened uh, the previous year? Sam, since you are a Ferrari guy, I think I'm going to start with you. Yeah, so the, uh, the keen listeners among you uh, may have noticed that my last name is Italian. So yes. therefore, the Ferrari fandom, it does run in the blood. That's understandable, um, of course. Last year, a catastrophe. We all know it. We don't have to revisit it. Um, we could. So uh, <laughs> maybe another time. <laughs> um, look, I am a little bit biased on the Ferrari thing. So I am, I'm going to preface it with that. But listen, I am cautiously optimistic about this car. I'm not saying they're going to challenge Mark. I don't even think they're going to challenge Red Bull. Okay. But look, it can't be worse than last year. It's just not possible for a team with the resources that Ferrari has. And you know what? This new engine that they've got, the quote unquote super fast engine, which is about two races away from being turned into a meme, that engine <laughs> was the second fastest in the speed trap at Bahrain. Uh, I think, and you know who's the only driver faster than Charles Leclerc in the speed trap? Who that, that would be Yuki Sonoda using his DRS for <laughs> way longer than he should have been. So outside of that, the Ferrari had the fastest time in the speed trap. So I think the engine, look, I don't think it's going to be on par with Mercedes, but the engine's going to be at least somewhat respectable this year. Okay. Maybe on that Honda or Renault level. Um, so I am optimistic because of that. And it does seem like the car's handling better. It seems like the drivers are happier with it. They've definitely done a lot. I saw something about that the rear of the car has been totally reworked. So, look, I think they have a shot at third in the Constructors' Championship this year. And, you know, I, I, I agree. And, and I will say, with their team principal, Mattia Bonotto, uh, you know, in 2020, uh, he did stress before the season started. And, you know, F1 fans were wary at that time, too, that he didn't think the car was going to be very fast. And he was aware of the engine's problems. And he said that, you know, up front. And then once the 2020 season started, uh, we saw that the engine had problems. Um, and I think yeah, that the most of it is. Yeah. And, the thing that I think Ferrari fans should be most optimistic about this year is that Benotto has been very, very confident in this engine. And he said so. And guys like Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz have also said so. 
Um, and the struggles in the narrative that we heard in the Ferrari camp before 2020, uh, we're not really hearing that now. And if I'm a Ferrari fan, knowing Benotto's history, um, I feel like uh, that should be something that we could be excited about. And one more thing, too, and I'll let Ryan take it after this, but I just want to say, too, that Ferrari has one of, if not the best driver pairings on the Formula One grid. And I think that could definitely give them the extra leg up over a team like Aston Martin or Alpine. Um, you know, not that I'm saying that Alonso or anything is not a top driver because he is, but Ferrari has two great drivers, not just one. Yeah, is it Al- Alpine? Alpine? I think it's Alpine. I've heard Alpine. Have you heard that? Roared around yeah. the street? Yeah. <laughs> you're just walking around the neighborhood and some guy with a trench coat like, comes close. He's like, you know, it's Alpine. And you're like, well, I just got to go with that. Somehow, the, like, somehow pronouncing it Alpine is more pretentious than Fernando Alonso. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that can be tough. That can be tough. Ryan, what do we think about Ferrari? Um, I actually might be just as, if not more, optimistic than Sam is on Ferrari going into 2021. Um, I got it. I think what we saw in 2020 was like the absolute floor, the worst season. Like, because I mean, not only was the car bad, they had like, like, I don't, like, I mean, I think they're, budget's bigger than bruce wayne's bank account so like they get like even if they make a car that's like okay they probably can put more resources into it than almost like everyone else combined almost so like i mean i think tracing point's gonna take a step back um <laughs> throwing out a meme i like it i think I don't, I don't think alpine's gonna be that great i'm lower on alonso coming back than you guys so i think there's a clear top four in the constructors this year and i think ferrari's there and i mean merck's got to be the favorite for me but like i think red bull's got to be the favorite to take second but i think ferrari's one of three teams that it wouldn't shock me if the team left like closest to uh merck at the end of the year yeah, well it's a good thing that Oh, no, sorry, remember. Yeah, no, people forget that this team was, up until last year, the closest team to Mercedes by far out of any yeah. other constructors. Absolutely. So, And I think, yeah, and I mean, I agree with Sam. I think they have the best tandem of drivers on the grid. Yeah. I, I, think, I think, I mean, obviously, Charles has one of the highest ceilings of anyone not named first stop in Hamilton. And, I mean, Carlos is really good. Hell so. yeah. Like I think that there's a, you can make a very realistic case they have two of the top seven or eight drivers in F1, and that's really really hard to beat. So I think they're probably the only team, maybe Red Bull, but I think they're probably the only team I would confidently say that about. So that's a good question uh, because Red Bull obviously you've got guys like Verstappen and Perez there on that team, and I think that's a pretty good driver pairing as well. Uh, especially from what we saw from Perez in 2020, you know, getting that race victory, uh, you know, at Sakhir and, and, and all that. So I think between, you know, Red Bulls, Verstappen and Perez and, and Ferrari's uh, Leclerc and, and Sainz, you know, those are two great pairings. And with what I will perceive as a, you know, Ferrari bounce back in 2021, that should be some good battles. Uh, so yeah. I, but the Red Bull two spots where drivers go to die. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. It is. It's the curse, you know. It's a horror movie. The moment you touch the seat, you're cursed. It's the grudge, uh, but yeah, absolutely. But the only problem is, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of rookies get into that Red Bull seat, like Pierre Gasly and uh, Alex Albon. Not rookies per se, but inexperienced drivers. Um, Albon was a rookie. 
Yeah, about Mozart rookie. Uh, and now you got a really experienced driver outside of the uh, the drivers program of Red Bull, and a guy like Sergio Perez, who you know could that experience in a different car in F1 and some sustained success uh, kind of be the answer for Red Bull is what we'll have to try and figure out uh, later. Can I play like a tiny bit of devil's advocate here? I mean, like they've had a lot of young and inexperienced and rookie drivers since Verstappen took over. They had problems when it was Verstappen and Ricardo. And you probably can't get a more experienced two driver on the grid than Danny Ricardo. Well, I think Verstappen was two driver at that point. Uh no, he, he was, but he wasn't. Like Red Bull knew like Verstappen was the two, but like if push came to shove, they were gonna lean max. Well push did come to shove the and they did lean max. <laughs> but yeah. like I think a lot I think it's it's less the experience and getting overwhelmed and more I, th- I think Max kind of needs a Valtteri more than he needs a two. I think he just needs someone to like be there and like get out of the way and be a beta. Cause if someone challenges him, he just kind of like, I don't think Max is a great person. And I think that kind of shows when another driver is there challenging him. So if, if he and Checho start to butt heads, I think that season could get really, really ugly. Cause I mean, do I, I don't, I don't want to say he hasn't matured, but like, when he first came on the grid and he and Ricardo, he would crash he and Danny out of the race just if Danny tried to cut in his way. And like, do I don't necessarily, I haven't seen signs that Max isn't going to do that if he and Checho are battling for a podium. Which yeah, we haven't seen Perez, a Red Bull driver do that in a while, you know, no, with Max. Yeah. No. And Perez and isn't going to put up with that shit. No, He's and not. That, that, no, that's my point. Like, I don't think Checho is going to be intimidated by Verstappen, but I think they're going to butt heads and it might turn into a bull in China shop situation where like, Christian Horner might finally have two good drivers, but that might not really be what he wanted like he thought. Yeah, you know, you, you try and compensate for Albon, who was not finishing where Rebel needed him to, obviously. Um, and then you want to get higher up in the grid and finishes so you get a guy who I think is a pretty you know damn good driver like Perez. And then, you know, suddenly you might get another Ricardo uh, Verstappen situation or, you know, if it gets worse, comes to worse, you know, I uh, – a Lewis and uh, Nico situation. So, and you don't ever want to have drivers that close together, I feel, because that kind of creates the problem. But yeah, we'll but see if that fair, happens to, to Red be Bull. Fair, to be fair, um, they might have some problems getting along, but Sergio Perez is not going to be, you know, finishing every race in seventh place for Red Bull. I can Absolutely. tell you that right now. Yeah, and that's yeah. what Christian Horner wanted to prevent this year. I'm not. I'm not. Wor- I'm not worried about Checho finishing seventh every race. I'm worried about Max taking him and Checho out on the 38th lap. <laughs> Which you know that could be something. Which uh, Max has a tendency to DNF. Yeah, he a little bit. He DNF five times in 2021. Um, you know, and still, I should mention, eviscerated his teammate Alex Albon in points. Um, so don't race me too hard yes uh which is um obviously something that uh alvon said along the lines of uh not even the only quote of that vein that he had in 2020 he was going through it for sure um yeah so we talked a little bit about driver pairings you know we talked about sandbagging from mercedes um so here's a good question of oh. Alfa Romeo and of Alphatari, what team do you see being right. better this year? Can I point out that in 2020, Alphatari had 107 points and Alfa Romeo had eight? Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, 
I know Rivers' boy is Yuki Sonoda, but I think out of the mid tier, I think out of the um, mid tier teams, the best driver is Pierre Gasly, and I think there's a definitive gap between him and two. I I think that at least. So like, I think he's I think Pierre could outscore Alfa Romeo on his own. So uh, Sam, you gonna you gonna stick up for your boy Kimi? Uh, I mean, I love I love Kimi. Um, I, I like Alfa Romeo. You know, the baby Ferrari, but uh, I, I mean, I can't, I'm not deluded. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think Alfa Romeo will 100% improve this year with that new Ferrari engine, with Giovinazzi having another year under his belt, blah, blah, blah. But man, that Alfa Tauri looks planted right now. That thing looks like it's on rails. I am very impressed with the work that that team has done. Yeah, I think that's one thing you definitely could see from preseason testing that we can take into, uh, you know, the first Grand Prix in Bahrain. The Alvatari car looks very, very good. Um, and that comes from, you know, obviously having two good drivers, I think, in, in Yuki and Pierre, but also uh, with that new Honda engine and, and the new car, I think Alvatari could uh, be a midfield force this season for sure, which I'm excited to see. Yeah. I think Alvatari could finish. I don't. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say I think that I could see them as high as fifth and constructors, but I, realistically, that's a little high. I could see six. Well, let's no, talk I'll about that, it. shall I'll we? Say it. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that because we've got we've got Mercedes, right? And then Red Bull, and yes. then I would McLaren. say three. The fight for three, in my eyes, is McLaren and Ferrari. Yes. Well, I mean, I don't know. I think you could definitely throw Alpine and. You think so? Because I was going to say, do you want to take Alphine over Alvatore in that case? I disagree. How much faith do you have in Alonso and Ocon, Ryan? I have very little faith in Ocon in particular, but actually I'm notably lower on Alonso than you guys are. And maybe this is – and also, like, before we jump into it, I think it's not unrealistic to say that you could lump McLaren and Ferrari into a fight for second with Red Bull. I think Red Bull is a heavy favorite for that, but I don't think it's unrealistic to say that like seconds up for grabs, depending on how testing really went. I think Red Bull has got to be a heavy favorite, but to get to the question that was actually asked, um, I don't, I mean, Fernando Alonso is like what? 39. Yep. He hasn't raced in three years. I mean, like, I know that he's a legend of F1, and I know that he's one of the best drivers to ever drive a Formula One car. At some point, like, you just aren't that guy anymore. And, I mean, far be it from me, I can feel Fernando staring holes into my skull wherever he is on the planet hearing me say this. But, like... And he probably can hear you say this, too. He probably can. <laughs> but, like, I mean, we've seen it with – I mean, like, I'm, I'm going to break your heart here, Sam, but, like, we've seen it with Seb and we've seen it with Kimi. Like, I, unless, Seb shock, unless Seb shocks me at Alfa Romeo this year. No, he's an Alfa Romeo. Is he Alfa Romeo? No, Seb is in Aston Martin. Aston Martin, that's right. I, I knew it so, repeat your sentence. Um, okay. Unless Seb – They all start with an A. Uh, they all start with an A. All of them. Unless Seb shocks me at Aston Martin, like – like those guys have been in F1 for a few years and they're still like starting to slow down. I would argue that Seb is probably historically a better driver than Fernando is. I mean, he's got one more driver's championship, right? Um, He's got two uh, more. Seb has four. He's got two more. Yeah. Seb has four. Fernando has two. Yeah. So, I mean, winning four in a row is pretty nuts. Um, if I was taking one in their prime, I'd take Alonzo, but we'll get into that another time. That's, I feel it, like, but I feel like it's close, is my point. Yeah, and that's fair. 
Like they're on the same tier of driver, I think. And yeah. I don't think the Alpine car is that great. Yeah. And I don't, well, I, don't know, I don't know if Fernando is good enough anymore to overcome an okay car. And also yeah, and this- Esteban Ocon, like I feel like everyone I've seen, and maybe this is just like me, like shadow fighting people on Twitter, like finding a take to get angry about and just saying people are saying it. But like, I feel like a lot of people I see on like Twitter and stuff are like, oh, just wait for Esteban Ocon to figure it out. And at some point I'm like, he's like 24. I mean, it like, doesn't sound super old, but like he's been there a while. And if he kind of like, uh, yeah, kind of like Keith Yacht situation, you know, Keith Yacht's very young driver, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, he's been yeah, in F1 for a long time. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let me look at us. Let me look at a con real fast. He, he's racing 67 Grand Prix. And everyone's like, oh, just like wait for him to figure it out. I'm like, how much experience does he need? He has one podium. That yeah, was last year. Yeah, I mean, he did take a year off, though, and he's on a new team. Wackest, in, like, the wackest race ever. Yeah. Like, so, let me get this. So, for Esteban to podium, he needed Max to crash out on lap one. He needed Mercedes to basically, like, shit themselves. And he needed uh, Danny Rick to be stuck in the Alpine car, the Renault car. Yeah, yeah that was, I mean. I mean, he did it in the Renault car. So, like, I, I say that, but, like. Like he needed that happen just a podium, and it's like at some point, maybe it's just not there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Ocon myself. Um, ever since he took Max out, he was such a little Mercedes uh, secret agent back in the day. Ugh, so annoying. Um, <laughs> he. Uh, I said we can get into that take another day too. Yeah, we can definitely get into that take. That's a lot of takes day. for for another day. Um, um, sure. Yeah, but going back to Alonzo, you know who you can compare him to? And I think this is going to validate Ryan a little bit. The recent example you can compare him to is Michael Schumacher. Because Schumacher was at F1 for three years, and he kind of retired at his peak. And then he came back to Mercedes when they, found, when they were founded in 2010. And he was up there, too. He was almost 40, I think, at the time. And... After being away from F1, man, he was not the same driver. And no, not at Michael all. Michael Rosberg really, uh, <laughs> really outperformed them. Absolutely. And uh, we, we did see that happen in that period. And that could very well happen to Alonso, which it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I will play devil's advocate here because, you know, it's fun. Uh, obviously, Fernando Alonso has been out of F1, but he hasn't been out of racing. You know, we saw him, uh, he's competed at the Indianapolis 500. Uh, he won the 24 hours of Le Mans as well. So he's been in racing cars, uh, just not F1 cars. And obviously F1 being the pinnacle of motorsport, uh, those cars and the downforce, it hits different. But um, we will see if he can come back to the same success that he had for sure. Uh, I, would, I would like to bring up something uh, with, uh, you know, Alpine and, and these, these teams here. We talked about Ferrari and, and McLaren kind of fighting for that three spot possibly, you know, maybe – poking onto it Red Bull, but I don't foresee that happening. Uh, once you get out of that range, you've got a team like Aston Martin and, and Alphine. And and are we sure that that four spot will be by a team like Aston Martin that got it last year? Uh, but I think there's not a lot swinging in Aston Martin's favor this year, personally. Well, I think... And I disagree with Ryan here because he thinks it's sort of – he thinks McLaren and 
Ferrari are almost at the Red Bull level. I definitely don't foresee that. Um, to me, the midfield is too close to call. I mean, you're talking Ferrari, McLaren, Alpine, Tracing Point, maybe even Alpha Tauri being very, very similar on performance. Um, I mean, last year, Aston Martin had the third fastest car. I mean, are we forgetting that? Like, they had the third fastest car. They blew it with their strategy and their mistakes and their drivers probably not being as good as McLaren. But third fastest car, I mean, they won a race. They took a pole position. So this is not some team that I think we should throw aside here. Yeah, but if I can get a counterpoint, I'll turn it over to you, Ryan, after this. Um, obviously, you had what Sam has referred to as tracing point, which obviously refers to the controversy of them copying Mercedes parts and designs. And they used to be a racing point where they became Aston Martin this year. Uh, we saw them finish fourth in the constructors championship last year, but that was with a crippled Ferrari uh, for sure. Um, that was with, you know, them facing off against, against Renault. And, and I, I, I feel like personally now that, You've got a team like Ferrari, who I think is going to be on, on the up and up this year. And then you've got a team like McLaren, who McLaren finished third in the constructors last year. And they had a Renault engine. And now they've got a Mercedes engine in their car, which could arguably be the best engine on the grid. And they replaced, as much as I hate to say it, because Carlos Sainz is my boy, I think they have a better driver in Daniel Ricciardo. Oh. So honestly, with a better driver and a better engine, uh, that McLaren's trotting out here this year. I think Aston Martin, they were racing point last year, obviously, hit a window to finish that high in the championship. I don't know if the factors are going to be there for them to kind of take advantage of that, especially with those mistakes that you talk about in the strategy, Sam. Well, again, I think it's just so close in the midfield. It's almost too close to the call. But I will say that McLaren has a significantly better driver pairing than Aston Martin. Absolutely. Significantly. And you know what else? Every other team on the grid is using a car that is one year newer. And Aston Martin is using a car that is one year older than everybody Obviously. else. Yes, with so, their dependency on Mercedes, for sure. Yep. They're running a 2019 car. Um. Two things before I hop into my take. One, calling it Alpha Towery loses your credibility with the Alpine thing, Sam. So I'm going to keep calling it Alpine. Uh, I no longer believe in your pronunciations. He's the false god. It's that's for Arasa to me. Okay. God, uh, no. And then uh, for the driver combinations, Danny to the moon. But um, I, I just I don't. I mean, again, so like I agree with River here. I think. I think Aston Martin uh, racing point last year, I think they had their window and I think that window is gone. I just, I, so like, yeah, looking at the standings, I don't, they're not going to hop Mercedes, Red Bull or McLaren. They just aren't. Um, I agree. If Ferrari finishes below Aston Martin two years in a row, they need to fire everybody. Like every <laughs> single person. <laughs> Should have done that a long time ago. They're yeah, not going to finish below Ferrari again. And so, like, at that point, I think, I mean, the point about them racing a car that's older helps, too. But I think, like, out of that mid-tier that um, Sam was talking about, like, the um, mid-level teams, it's Aston Martin, Alphatari, and Alfa Romeo. 
you could make a legitimate uh, i mean i think they have the second best driver pair there who does your teams uh aston martin whoa 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 okay hold on i'm just gonna let sam take this one because i know he feels very passionate about aston martin so yeah okay listen Lance Stroll. Okay, before Sam, before we get started, you're either allowed to play defense for Vettel or offense on Lance Stroll. You cannot do both. I'm going to make you pick <laughs> right here, right now. You cannot defend one and slam the other. You got to. Oh, pick a- he's no, going to slander wanna... both of them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, we're going to start off with Lance Stroll here. Okay. Uh, the guy is only an F1 because of his dad, um, and that's not to say that that. But okay. <laughs> well, let's. He only got into F1 because of his that's dad. A, that's, I'll agree with that take. I think he's the best of the pay drivers on the grid, unless there's someone egregiously good I'm forgetting about. I mean, if you count Checo Perez as a pay driver, you know? Yeah. Well, but, I mean, you know, mask. Dis, discounting Checo, I think he's the best of the pay drivers, but I don't think yeah. he's, he's competing with Latifi, you know? Obviously. Yeah. Nick <laughs> 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 Close Latifi. <laughs> look i i used to hate on lance troll a lot more than i do now i think that he's definitely proven something in the last year or two um i think he's at least justified his place on the grid he hasn't justified his place in that team over a driver like sergio perez i think that was terrible for the sport the fact that perez was sacked and he was kept on now I understand it because his dad owns the team, but I just think it's an issue. Nevertheless, um, he's just, he's not in that upper echelon of drivers. And to me, he just doesn't really compare to the second drivers at McLaren or Ferrari. Um, he's probably on that Ocon level. But the thing is okay. the lead driver at Aston Martin might be even worse than Lance Stroll. Okay. And I'm talking about Sebastian Bell here. And I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but his last you? few years. Yeah, I wanted to get this off my chest for a long time. Okay. Spinny Sebastian Metal. He's done. Before you keep going, I'm sorry. What, what, which side of my take are you attacking because i said out of alfatari alfa and aston martin they have maybe the second best like maybe the second best pair of drivers and, and you said you disagreed which side of my take are you attacking okay okay Hold on. out of who out of alfatari aston martin alfa romeo i think they have maybe okay. the second best out of those three teams yeah they're on par with alfa romeo i think i think yeah. i think alfatari is definitively the best and you could argue me either way for the other two I just want to make sure that my take is um, understood. No, okay, that's a, that, okay. You know what, River? Just delete everything I just said because I definitely no, misunderstood that. Yeah, I want to the metal rant. Give me the, give me the metal rant. Give me the metal rant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, Sebastian Vettel, I love him. He's a great guy, top guy, one of the nicest guys in F1, most genuine guys in F1. He's had a great career, four straight world championships. How many people can say that? But I'm sorry, Sebastian Vettel is finished. He's done, man. He has not been himself in years. He's spinning left and right. He's getting dusted by a 
second year teammate. He's looking like a total fool out there in the Ferrari, man. He's, he's just not himself anymore. And he's probably going to outperform Lance Stroll, probably, but that's not saying much. And when you look at the midfield teams, I think the weak link for Aston Martin is that driver pairing. Would we, can we even say like probably that he'll outdo Lance Stroll? Oh, I think that's a little questionable. Personally, I mean, I would, if you were to, you know, have me hedge my bets, I'd probably take Vettel, obviously. But, you know, we've seen Stroll uh, in podiums and, and, you know, we saw Vettel in one last year in in Turkey. But obviously, I I feel like Stroll's the younger driver. Um, You know, he's got that tenacity. And uh, I I don't know. He's also got the whole team behind him. Yeah, there's that too. There's that too. But I mean, obviously, I, I'm not as harsh on, on Vettel as you are, Sam. But, but clearly, I, I feel like with a younger driver like Stroll, it's not out of the question that he could perform better. And I think it's obviously not out of the question that he's the second driver on Aston Martin either. Um, so we'll just have to see how it goes. Uh, and Aston Martin's kind of an enigma. You know, I, I feel like how they do this year uh, could be telling. Uh, so we'll just have to see where they end up in the midfield because personally, I see Alvatari as the strongest team in the midfield. Um, if Ooh. you don't count Ferrari, elaborate, River. Elaborate. If you don't count Ferrari, I, I expect Ferrari to not be in the in the midfield. Uh, would you count McLaren at four? Would, would four be midfield? Yes. Uh, in that case, I'd probably take McLaren. So I think McLaren and Alvatari, uh, probably McLaren, probably be you know that four spot, three spot. Um, I'd say most likely three spot. If you ask, so you got your boys at fifth place, huh? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that Gasly's a great driver. Um, I think he showed that on the bounce back, obviously, with his win at Monza. But you know, also, I think he's been on pace, uh, quite well uh, in 2020. And obviously, you know how excited I am about Yuki, but to come into F2 and win rookie of the year and place third and drive like he did in F2, I think uh, I think he's really quick. I think he showed that in testing too. And I'm really excited to see what he can do in that Atari car, which I hope really, you know, really is competitive in that midfield. So we'll just have to see where it goes. Um, but, you know, obviously I'm a big, I'm a, I'm an alpha Atari Red Bull guy. Um, and uh, I'm excited for, for that I'm group a, of drivers. I might, you could probably talk me into co-signing Alpatari at five. Hey, you know, negotiations. What, what, hey, Sam, who are you thinking is that five spot? Anything's possible. Listen, I mean, I've said it multiple times. It's so hard to call that midfield. If I had to take a guess, I think it's probably going to be – you guys are going to think I'm crazy for this. I think it's going to be Alpine. Um, Interesting. I mean, I, I wouldn't call you crazy. Alonso, Actually, I think Fernando Alonso think, brings them over the top. I think I think River and I would be considered the crazy ones by like a majority of the public for having Alphatari over Alpine. Alpine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Oh, maybe not. Like, when you said, yeah, when you when you said you guys are going to call me crazy, I was like, is he about to pick someone else? Like, I <laughs> <laughs> Alfa Romeo, baby. Williams. Yeah, Williams is going to be up. So uh, we'll close out the show uh, with uh, this conversation, too, because um, I'd like to have it. You've got two teams that have been very bad in recent memory uh, with Haas and Williams. Um, there's a lot we could talk about on the Haas side, and we will talk about for sure in the future. 
uh, particularly with people like Nikita Mayespin and all of that. But my question for now is, of those two teams, uh, which one do you see ahead of the other on the grid um, this coming year? Williams. Williams. <laughs> Just out of sheer, like, I hope Mick Schumacher does great. I hope Mick does outstanding. Just out of sheer, like, disgust for Haas, I have to say Williams. And also, yeah. like, if you put if you put a gun to my head, and you're like, okay, like, which one of these, like, if you need one of these four drivers to do anything like remotely skillful, it's George. Like, it's George' definitive gap compared yeah. to like the four drivers in those two teams. So, like, if you're gonna make me pick between two teams that are both kind of terrible, I'm gonna pick the one with the better driver. Yep. And better drivers is a good point because I feel like you know, obviously Haas is is going all in gambling wise on these two rookie drivers right um but you know you got an experienced guy like george uh you got williams who's you know probably one of the best drivers in the grid um and you've got ace finn and schumacher at haas who i mean you know obviously coming off good f2 seasons but uh well, largely unproved. for one of them anyway <laughs> yes that's true i mean you know mason definitely was a uh definitely liked getting his penalties uh on the track <laughs> for sure in f2 that's one way of putting it that's yeah the, that's the notable thing about mason <laughs> i mean obviously <laughs> we can talk about that too but i agree with you all um on that front but i, I really I foresee Williams' pace just being higher, especially with the. Uh, I think they're the car is going to be improved. I think you know with the engine and with the, that group kind of having settled in, and I feel like with the experience that Williams brings, and, and also with uh, new ownership, new ownership as well. You know, that gets some more money into the program. Haas, I with Haas, I just don't foresee with rookie drivers. You know, with where they were at last year with with, with K Mag and, and Grosjean, yeah. and I just foresee them as being the definitive last team and i, yeah, I could and be to wrong to be honest they were the slowest car last year and <laughs> they they made a couple really good decisions on strategy um, off the top of my head the hungarian race when they uh pitted magnuson on the formation lap and picked up a couple points that way absolutely um and, and they got to ninth in the constructors because williams i mean they shot themselves in the foot a couple times mainly george russell even though i love the guy but dude this year i mean coming out of testing they have literally said that they they've written this year off they don't care they they said that they put a couple of upgrades on the car from last year and that's it they're not going to upgrade the car at all during the season and that's a problem that's problematic you know that's not great yeah (laughs) whose job is irrationally safer cam newbauer's or gunther's (laughs) that's a good question um it depends on how Cam Newbauer does in the uh, WNIT. Uh, really? Is it? Like, I think it might be Gunther. Yeah, you think, you think Gunther's just there to stay? I think well, Gunther's there to stay. That's my point, though. Is it's it's his job is irrationally safe. He's gonna get the he's gonna get a chance with the new regulations. I mean, if they would if they wanted to fire him, they would have fired him already. But they've written this year off already, so he's gonna get a chance with the new regs. My point is, I feel like you could have justified firing him in 2016. <laughs> he's That's going harsh. He's for sure going to be in there in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So assuming Haas is there in 2022. Yeah, that's another thing that uh, you have to be wary of, obviously. Um, but uh, we will see how that goes. And uh, we will see you all next time. 
Uh, thanks for sticking around for the first episode of either Mission Spino or Mission Spinow, uh, you know, depending on how it's actually pronounced. Which there's definitely going to be a YouTube pronunciation search in my future after we're done. The anti-Christian horror club. Yes, the <laughs> <laughs> YouTube at least, you know. But um, yeah, thanks for stopping by, guys. Thanks, Sam and Ryan, for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's great being here. Absolutely, and uh, we'll come at you next time with some more takes. We're probably going to talk about some individual driver duels next time around. Uh, maybe do some fun stuff like some livery rankings, uh, all before the first Grand Prix of the season kicks off in Bahrain, two weeks. So, uh, yeah. at you guys later.